Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. <laughs> His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Another week, another episode of Catch and Shoot 2.0 with myself as well as Otto Strong. Otto, how's it going? Doing well, doing well. How's it going with you, sir? Well, I will tell you what, Otto, I had about the most stressful and anxiety-filled weekend that I think I've had in a long time, but it was also one that's a lot of fun. You you know, it's it's no secret on this show that I'm from Kansas City. I grew up in that area, and, you know, the Chiefs took on the Titans in the AFC Championship game on Sunday, and for anyone who's lived through a lot of the Chiefs' nightmares like I have and a lot of the playoff frustrations like I have— to watch them put away a Titans team and Derrick Henry, a team that they had lost to earlier in the year, and then just kind of thoroughly dominated in that football game. It was so much fun, and it was such a joyous moment for me, Otto, that you know I've watched the Super Bowl the last 30 years, always kind of wondering what it would be like if my team was actually in it. Mm-hmm. Well, now I actually get to experience it, and it's going to be a lot of fun here in a few weeks. So it was a good weekend for me, needless to say. I got the hat. I got the shirt on the way. And I'm going to be rocking it, and I'm going to be taking a trip down to Miami. I won't be in attendance at the Super Bowl, but I am going to be in the general area, which will be a lot of fun. Nice, nice. Uh, congrats to your congrats to your guys, and uh, hope you guys can pull it out. Bring it on. Uh, I, I know, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it'll be great. Um, but you know what else was a lot of fun on Monday? And I think the NBA does this so well is Martin Luther King Day and kind of all the matinee starts. And I thought we got a really good matchup on Monday, Otto. And this is a game that I think has a lot of intrigue for us and especially some of the younger players in the league, especially with the Pelicans and then with the Grizzlies, most notably John Morant and kind of the things that are going on with this Grizzlies team. When you think of him, you think of Jaron Jackson Jr., you think of Dylan Brooks and some of the young talent that they have. This Grizzlies team, which I perceived as being a year or two away from really being in contention, it's surprising how fast Ja has kind of established himself and just how they've changed their style of play. This is not the grinded out Grizzlies that we all knew a few years ago. This is a very different Grizzlies team that plays at a much quicker pace now than we've ever seen them play at. This is look. These guys were 30th in play in pace of play a couple of seasons ago. 
Uh, ja the fourth single, this year. Right, exactly. And Jaws is, is single-handedly creating a must-see TV moment. I mean, you've just got to – some of the passes that he's been making is just – I don't even know – his just the reflexes that he has and the and the overall um you know instincts that he has on the court are amazing and to your point with the with the with the lineup i mean you know valanchunas and and and, and team i mean these are not guys i mean this this is not the conley led crew this this is not the gasol you know grizzlies these are these are you know grizzlies 3.0 if you will and they are just they're just tearing people up i mean put, they put 140 on the clippers a couple of weeks ago I mean, where is this coming from? I mean, <laughs> well, it's it's the new age style of basketball, right? And, and you're someone who can break down the game so much better than I can. But it seems like the way that Jaron Jackson Jr. specifically can run with John Morant, how good he is defensively, they can create so many opportunities for each other that they were probably the best possible pairing for the Grizzlies. Well, look, Ja is one of these guys that, as a rookie, he's a 50, 40, 90 guy. So basically, uh, for the uninitiated, it's uh, 50% on field goals, 40% from three, and 90% from the line. Now, he's uh, just a tad under that. I think I'm looking at my stats now. He's 49% from the field, 40.5% from three, and about 80% from from uh, from the line. I mean, as a rookie to be doing that is is incredible. It is, and it's a lot of fun to watch. And it makes, it makes me wonder, and you're probably more so than anyone remembers just how long and how much longer people used to say in college, but you know, jaw had that extra year in college. How much do you think that has helped him with the transition to the NBA? Granted he played at a very small school in Murray state, but he was on TV every single night last year before he came into the league. Does that extra year make that much of a difference when you're talking about an 18 or a 19 year old kid coming into the association? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, 18-year-old, I mean, there's a huge difference in, in between an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old, 20 years old. So, you know, the fact that you'd have another year of of actual playing time and not, you know, not possibly, you know, riding the bench or, or, um, or you know, just not getting as much run as you would get as, as you would get in college. So, you know, to me, probably it depends on the situation and probably in most cases, but with regard to Jai, I think it certainly helped him to have that, uh, that extra time uh, con- considering his handling of the ball as much as he is, uh, just just more reps and uh, um, you know just better all around. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, he's been so good this year that we've already gotten the third return to the NBA All Star balloting this year, and he is actually on the list of guards this year when it comes to the Western Conference. And, and one of the things that you and I text back and forth with so much off air is just talking about the depth of guards in the Western Conference. And when you do look at this, and the early returns, I think so far have gotten it right when it comes to guard play in the Western Conference. But you'd have James Harden, and then you'd have Luka Doncic starting in the guard spots. Is this maybe the guard, the most guard heavy we've seen the NBA in a long time? Just the depth one through ten in that balloting. I, I mean, I, absolutely. I mean, considering that this is this is a year without a Steph Curry, without a Clay Thompson. I mean, could you imagine if those two guys were healthy and were doing their thing? I mean, you could almost start an all guard team. You know, I mean, just and 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 I think people would pay top dollar to see it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, and you know, doing it was doing my ballot. So um, no surprise, I have Harden and Doncic on my on my ballot as probably most of America does. But I started to think about okay what is the all-star game and what is it there for? So like, is it, do we just want to see guys jacking threes from 30 feet or do we want to see kind of the special unique talent that Jock 
brings to the game, how he, you know, I, I, I just feel like, even though I didn't put him on, um, I did feel like if I had one more selection, he would have been the guy and probably not Westbrook because I want to see that. I want to see that Harlem Globetrotter-esque uh, kind of brand of basketball, not just guys walking it down and then chucking it from 33 feet, 34 feet. And it looks great. Don't get me wrong. And I'm a fan of that too. But I think there's just a, that special sauce that Jaws got. Um, uh, and, and I would just love to see what he would be able to do on that stage with all of those players. Yeah. And our producer, Scott Turkey makes a good point that you should put him in the dunk contest. And I do think the NBA does a great job of making sure they don't have the same rule that baseball has, right? Where they have to, each team has to have a representative in the all-star game. The NBA does not have that. They want their collection of stars on Sunday representing who they think at least at tip are the 10 biggest stars in their league. And for, for what the NBA does and what it represents, they get that right on, on most nights. The, the biggest change that I personally would make when it comes to the NBA All-Star balloting is I think we play in such a world now where there's positionless basketball, right? Like there's not much of a differentiating between a guard and kind of a forward, and we really don't have a center anymore. Right. So why, when we're voting in terms of all-stars, do we still put these front-court or back-court players on them, right? Like, why are we still necessitating them as guards or forwards? Because I think what it's doing is it's hurting some players, especially in the East, and when you look at the returns and what the fans are starting to vote in, like, Jimmy Butler has taken that uh, Miami Heat team to second place in the Eastern Conference. And yet Jimmy Butler, for what he has done this year and how impressive he's been, he's not in the top five because he's not classified as a guard, which is amazing to me. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I mean, you know, they went, they, they eliminated the center position, as you, as you see, obviously. And, uh, and so they're the, the, which was the, the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, and there's, so there's a, there is a, a thought that maybe they continue in that, in that, uh, in that vein. I think the, the NBA have no other, if, is certainly an organization that would be open to, you know, uh, always looking way, looking for ways to spice it up and kind of create some new tension and new drama. And that certainly would be a, a way to do it. Um, and I think fans are smart. I think fans would kind of figure out who the best players are. And I don't think that there would be a, a risk of, of having, you know, five pure point guards and, and no, and no big, I, you know, I, I think a guy like LeBron is always going to get in. I think a guy like Kawhi and Antetokounmpo will always kind of find their way into to the starting position. So I, I, I'm I, you know, look. I'm with you. I'd love to see just you know straight five, and you know whatever happens happens. To me, that would be the most fun. You take your ten best players in the league, your ten biggest stars, whether they're guards, whether they're forwards, and you just let them throw it up, and you start the game like that. Because to me, as someone who's watched the league for a long time, for someone who's been involved with the league for a long time, it's the only sport where it's such a star-driven league that that's what that moment's for. It's not for the defense or the offensive sets that you can see them run. You just want to see the 10 best dudes on the court at that time. And I think that if you got rid of the guard and the front court players, it would be the most fun. Now I do have to ask you this because fans don't make up all the voting is in conjunction with the players as well as the coaches as well. Uh, but I think we're pretty similar when it comes to who our Western conference all-stars are, but I am interested in who you had out in the East. Okay. So East lineup, uh, I've got uh, Trey Young, Kyrie Irving. I've got, of course, Hunter Kumpo, Joel Embiid, uh, and, and the aforementioned Jimmy Butler. 
that that does make a lot of sense because if we went fully off what the fans do, then Jimmy Butler, and I, I feel like you probably have some kind of a rant on this, would not be starting in the All-Star game, which is a problem with what he's done this year. Yeah, you, Jimmy Butler's got to start. But um, <laughs> I, I, look, I think he should start. But then again, you know, it's, it's a showcase for, for you know, it, it's, it's a game that serves many masters. And so it's, it, it has to do a, a lot of different things. And I think that they try to, you know, pull off their best. Uh, your, your roster, sir, did you, do we? So uh, what the fans voted, I'll just tell you what the fans voted and then who I think. As far as the guards go, they have Trey Young and then Kyrie Irving starting in those two guard spots. I would actually sub out Kyrie and put in Kemba. I thought Kemba last night kind of leading that or on Monday night leading that Celtics team to a win was a lot of fun and really impressive. And kind of what he's done with rejuvenating that Celtics team has been great. And then I'd also have Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, and Giannis. I wouldn't have Pascal with regardless of how good he's been. Uh, so that would be my starting five in the East. Do you have any problems with that? Do you have any problems with anything that I said there, Otto? Well, I, I don't have any problems with, with, with Kemba. I mean, I can't, can't, uh, not going not to shoot that one down, but, but um, um, yeah, I would like to go back to one thing you said though, and, and okay. I want to get your, get your take on this. So do we want, are we saying that we want to see the top 10 vote getters in the league, regardless of conference? That's that's what I think would be the best possible solution. Mm -hmm. If you've gone away from necessarily having an East or a West and you're letting the players draft their own guys anyway, why not just do away with the designations of forwards and guards and say, I just want the absolute 10 biggest stars out on the court. And if they're all 10 guards, well, that's great. We're going to see dudes shoot it up from half court and that's going to be a lot of fun. Or if it's all 10 forwards or shooting guards, then have at it too. You know, I agree. And I'd love to see the league institute something like that in the next season or two. It's time once again for that catch and shoot 2.0 favorite, old school, new school. All right, Otto, I've been kind of interested to get your take on this all day long. And I've kind of just been stewing on this because as I sat down and watched that AFC championship game on Sunday, it really kind of got my mind thinking And, you know, I've watched Patrick Mahomes the last two years do some incredible things in Kansas City. You know, the no-look passes, kind of the back-of-the-end-zone pass that he made last year against the Niners, and then the run that he made uh, on Sunday just kind of got my mind thinking that it's been a long time since we've seen a player in any of the four professional sports really kind of establish themselves and continue to amaze us night in and night out. And it's not just that, It's a player doing it at the most important position in the NFL, like Patrick Mahomes is, but he's also carrying his team despite some of their deficiencies. And I just started thinking back as, you know, we haven't had a player like this in the NBA really since LeBron, you know, kind of established himself, has the hype, and then just continue to build like that. And in the back of my mind, I just started thinking, you know, we've had so many conversations about players on this podcast, most notably like Luka Doncic, you know, someone in the city that you're in right now that could possibly have that same kind of mantle. And so when I think about this, it's rare to see athletes like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Luka Doncic that night in and night out are just kind of redefining the sport that they play and redefining the positions that they play. And I just don't know because they're such generational talents, if we'll see someone like that again. 
Mm. And and the last thing, I mean, I know it's implied, but the, the stage, the stage yeah. is so important, you know, to do what he did in the AFC title game. I mean, look, I don't care that it wasn't against the Patriots or it wasn't against the Ravens. You know, screw that. I mean, the point is, you know, he 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 was on the you know championships on the line. Tennessee proved to be a worthy competitor. They were they were worthy of being there, uh, and so you know, hats off to him. Uh, Doncic, obviously, hell of a player and 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 you know, tremendous upside. I'm gonna I'm gonna not put him in the in that category just yet, if only because I want to see what he can do in the playoffs. Now, if he does something like this in the Western Conference Finals. The, by all means, we, we can we can certainly have that that conversation. Uh, but Doncic, I mean, you know, yes, I mean he's a guy who's you know basically rewriting the record book every night. I mean, triple doubles by scoring thirty points. Um, you know, he, he's very you know, and I realize the game is played differently than 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 it was say in Kidd's era. Uh, and I say Jason Kidd isn't Jason Kidd as the guy who had previously held the uh, you know the the, the Mavericks franchise um, uh, triple double uh, lead and 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 Luca basically broke that before Thanksgiving. I mean, that's just, that's just kind of insane. You know, what did, what it took kid to do like 80 games, not, you know, Luca did in like, you know, 20 or so. And, and, and that's the point, you know, it seems like night in and night out and our, our producer, Scott Turkin put this perfectly, that he's doing something magnificent, you know, whether it's 30 point triple doubles, whether it's the way that he's carrying that Mavs team is, we don't see players, everybody aspires to be LeBron James across all four major sports, right? The, the way that he carries himself, the way that he backs it up, the way that he represents the players, the organizations, those types of stars, those types of male-esque players are so few and far between that you don't get to see them much. And, you know, when you start thinking about the history of the NBA the only other guy, and maybe this is because I'm still so young, that comes to mind that even kind of bears any mention with those. And it's weird to even put Doncic in that same sentence, just like we're putting Mahomes in that same sentence, but would be a, a Michael Jordan, right? Like everybody talks about the rings, but it's so much more than just the championships won. It, it's the way that they represent the entire fabric of the league, isn't it? Well, Michael Jordan and the NBA were synonymous. I mean, let's just, let's just face it. <laughs> they just were. Um, you know, in, from a competitive standpoint, you know, Jordan would walk into an arena on game night and it, it, I'm not saying the game was over before it started, but you know, there were certain seasons where that's certainly, it certainly felt that way. Um, you know, and then going back to, to the 86 season, I, I'm going to butcher the, the, the quote here, but I think, uh, Larry Bird said something uh, to the effect that I, I think I just saw God disguised Michael Jordan or something, something to that effect. Uh, I, I mean, what he did was, was epic and, and you're right. It did kind of, you know, he had like he had had a, a a stellar career in North Carolina, but by the time you know once that game happened, you know it it elevated the conversation, it elevated the league. I think much in the way that uh, that Mahomes um, you know did for KC and 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 you know did for the team. Um, very curious to see if that game is going to tra- his game is going to translate to it to a to a Niners squad uh, and the Super Bowl. But uh, that may be. I, I'm. What, what what are your thoughts on that? So. The, the way that, that I relate it back to is, and this is a conversation that I have with my buddies a lot, is there are players that can move the needle and can push teams forward. You know, like the, if we're relating this back to what I've seen from the Chiefs or what I've seen in players from the NBA, the perfect example was Alex Smith as the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. Always good enough to get them to the playoffs, but that guy was not going to go out and win you a football game. He wasn't going to have a moment that just said, 
my team needs me. My fans need me. There's no energy in this stadium. I'm going to go out and win it on my own, you know, much like LeBron did in 2015. And, and, you know, the thing that I always go back to is players who can redefine their positions, who can redefine the league and make everybody else kind of evolve around them are what's so rare. And that's what I've seen from Mahomes is, you know, it's not just the IQ. It's not just the arm. It's not just the legs. He beats you with every facet of the game, much like a LeBron does. And, and, you know, the only other player that I can think of besides Michael Jordan that maybe did that was Shaquille O'Neal, his first year, really the first four years in Orlando when, you know, we talk a lot about how Zion is built, right? How Zion is a muscular guy, but with the athleticism that he has for his body type, it's very rare. Well, what people forget is just how Shaq was built his first few years in the league. You know, he wasn't kind of the big bulky Shaq that everybody remembers with the Lakers. He was much thinner. He was slimmer. He could run, he could jump, he could throw it down with the store with, with authority. And, you know, we saw him break back to back back or backboards, I think in his first year in the league. And those instances were just so few and far between. That's what people in Kansas city are getting to see night in and night out with Mahomes. And so it's, it's fun for me to watch that again, you know, because it'd been a long time, I think in the NFL, since we had seen a player like that and the NBA had seen players like that. Right. Right. You look, you, you mentioned Shaq before. And I, re, I remember, you know, um, I'll call I'll call him young Shaq. <laughs> um, well, it's like young Shaq and Penny too. You know, when you think <laughs> about that combo together and how much fun they were to watch. Oh, it, it was, it was, it was a ton of fun, but you know, in, in getting back to kind of how it relates to Zion, uh, who, um, you know, by the way, is scheduled to start Wednesday's game is, you know, first regular season game as an NBA player. And, and uh, it's going to be very exciting to see what he, what he's able to do. But you know, the, the, the comparisons between Zion and his body type and Shaq and his body type, um, you know, it, the 300 plus pounds or the, the, the two, I think it was 285, I think is what, if, what Zion is listed at. Yeah. Uh, it just, it just, it's, it looks different on a on a six foot six frame than it does on a seven foot one frame, um, and then to go along with that, you know, I'm I'm I am six six, and so I've always been, and I talked about this before, you know, always concerned about you know weight as it as it pertains to you know knee injuries and um, you know someone who's you know taller and longer limbs and all all that stuff. So I, I wonder for him what that is going to be like game in game out. Now I'm not saying that he's you know, overweight or needs to lose weight from from a from a health perspective, from a conditioning perspective. I'm talking about it. I'm looking from a longevity at, perspective. Exactly. You know, you you know those those dunks. You know, he's able to get up high, and what goes up must come down, and all that force you're absorbing that into your feet, into your knees, into your hips, into your back. And while you know, is it going to affect him? You know, at this age, no, probably 25, probably not. But you know, you know, I don't. If, if someone had asked me right now, you know, how many years do you think he's going to play? How many seasons? There's no way he's he's not he's not pulling off anything like LeBron is pulling off. I don't even know if he would be able to pull off anything like you know, you know, over over ten or fifteen. I, that's just my my sense. Uh, but you know, I, look, every everybody is different. You know, he, he may he may find that um, you know they they do some kind of conditioning program that's uniquely um, you know uniquely you know uh, created for him. Um, and it'll, it'll kind of depend on, on what happens when he, when he finally gets out there and starts doing his thing. Well, and that's a broader conversation. I think, uh, 
the Pelicans now, because of the way that they've treated him and the way that they've kind of slowly brought him along this year, have it in not only their best interest, but his best interest as well to make sure that he stays as healthy as possible. But now there's another equation to it. Every time he gets hurt, every time something pops up with them, that's going to relate back to the front office and how they handle it. Much like everyone in Kansas City, anytime that Patrick Mahomes is either injured on a QB sneak and has a dislocated patella, how they bring him along is something that's going to be watched. Because when you have generational athletes like we're being treated to now, Otto, and it's amazing to say, but then this simple conversation, we've listed off two in the NBA alone that we think probably have that potential of what Mahomes is carrying right now. But it's also in the due diligence of the front office and kind of their health and medical science of how they go forward with those guys, too, and how they treat them. It's a billion-dollar business, and it's very important. Bruh. You know, Otto, typically we reserve this segment for kind of wacky things or fun things that happen throughout the league. But today I'm giving my bruh to Dame Lillard and the day that he had on Martin Luther King Day in his own venue against the Warriors to go for 61, including 11 three-pointers, none more so impressive than the one he did at the end of the fourth quarter with Trey Burke on him, the dirty, nasty step-back three. It was a thing of beauty. And you know, the beautiful thing about Dame Lillard, and we've spoken about him a lot on this podcast He is a self-made man. This was a guy who was not heavily recruited, went to a small school in Weber State, and has made something of himself. And he always plays with a chip on his shoulder, and it shows. And so my bruh goes to Dame Lillard and the things that he continues to do and the way he represents that Trailblazers organization. Okay. Well, my bruh this week is going to go to none other than Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie, you guys know, was out for two months, uh, comes back, uh, you know, posts a win in his, in his first game back. It's, you know, 21 against, against the, you know, the lowly Atlanta Hawks. Um, and then starts, try, and starts chirping about needing more help. I mean, look, you missed two months of time. The guys were trying to piece it together with, without you there. Um, and they were, they were 17 and 20 going into that game. Uh, and sure, they won that game, but they've dropped four straight since. So Abra goes to Kyrie. Look, you just can't be that teammate that everybody has problems with. I mean, you know, look back at, his, at, at some of his recent stops. Um, there was a problem in Boston. There was a problem in Cleveland. At a certain point, you start to wonder, is it everybody else or dot, dot, dot. Thanks to all of you for listening to Catch and Shoot 2.0. We appreciate each and every one of you who join us each week. Thanks also to our producer, Scott Turkin, Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Ben Wolfen, for being such great teammates. Please check out all of our other Pure Hoops media shows. And just a reminder, the Mike Weiss Show has a new episode each Monday. And if you guys did not catch this week's episode, I highly recommend going back and listening to it. It was a great episode. Buckets, Boards, and Blocked with Monica McNutt drops each Thursday. The Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops every Friday. And Otto and myself are back each Wednesday with Catch and Shoot 2.0. Please check all of them out. Download and subscribe. Rate and review. You guys have no idea how far that goes for these shows as far as populating them on iTunes or Spotify. But most of all, Just enjoy them, and we'll see you guys next week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.